1: to another episode of the vacation rental success podcast this is your host heather bayer and happy new year to you happy new year to everybody it's 2019 another great year ahead i know it's going to be amazing we've got all sorts of plans for our business in 2019 i'm sure you have i'd uh, love to to hear about what you what plans you have in place I mean no I've been talking about content for a long long time this year is the the time that we are going to look at the content on our website and you know just spend more time on growing that content so that we become the the go-to place for information on events and activities and attractions and things to do in different seasons of the year the wildlife the uh, photography opportunities, there's just so much in our province. Uh, we want to be, I, I guess, I guess we're gonna do what Alan Egan says and we be go- going. We want to become travel bloggers and do that alongside managing all the wonderful rentals in our property management company. So so that's us. Just um, thinking back to this time last year, you know, as we entered into 2018, and and I think I started very similarly, in a very similar fashion on the podcast and said we had so much ahead and this is what we got planned. And then you know, you know, things changed. And life can change on a dime. And and as you know, if you've been listening along to the podcast, my life got turned upside down in February and March of twenty eighteen when my husband became ill. And we made a decision. I mean, we we've been talking for ages about um, moving house, you know, our house was too big for us, and at some point in the future, we were going to make the decision to move. His health became a concern, so we made the decision to move closer to family. We sold our house. We built a house. We had no, there was there was no idea that we were going to build a house, but it just happened that way. So, from him getting sick in at the end of February to us moving into our brand newly built house in August. You know, it's been quite the whirlwind year. And we had no clue that was going to happen as we welcomed in 2018. So you just never know. You never know what is going to happen. At the at the outset of the year, Mike and Andrea did not have a boat. And they they had dreams of giving up their jobs and going sailing. And it happened. You know, it absolutely happened. They made their dreams reality. Uh, in 2018, they bought their boat. They gave up their jobs. Actually, they didn't sell all their furniture. They moved it into my basement, which is you know, something I will take up with my son. And, uh, and they went to the Caribbean. That They are living the dream now. I, I guess what I'm saying is, if you've got plans, if you've got dreams, do it. It really is important that you don't leave things and think, well, I'll do this in a couple of years at a, at a better time. Because you know... If you have a dream, there is no better time than now to get it going, to make some decisions, to make some changes, and to do what you love. That's a little bit philosophical. But you know, it it just got me thinking at the beginning of the year where we were at this time last year and where we are now. I could not be more content. We actually were forced into making a decision that we could probably have done years ago. Um, But I'm... One of the world's biggest procrastinators, and I just got galvanised into action this year, and it couldn't have been a better decision. So there you are. Today's guest is Andrew McConnell from Rented.com. Andrew joined me same time last year, in two thousand, at the beginning of two thousand eighteen, to talk about the industry, our wonderful industry, where we where we've been in the past year, and where we're going in the in the current year. So he's joining me again. To, and it just doesn't seem like any time at all since we last had a discussion but uh, but here we are a lot happened in 2018 there is a lot to look forward to as we celebrate this new year so I won't say more about that I'm just going to hand it over to Andrew McConnell of rented.com to give us his view and his perspe- perspective on this new year <music> So I'm so happy to have with me today Andrew McConnell from Rented.com. Andrew, we sort of part—it's like ships in the night. We passed at uh, the VRMA conference in Las Vegas, and I don't think we did much more than you know have a quick wave, and and that was that—that <laughs> that was about it. It was a busy event, wasn't it?
0: It was. It was us awesome. and maybe fifteen, seventeen hundred of our closest friends making it very <laughs> hard to carve out the time and, and really connect with each other, but. Yeah, I'm happy we're able to get the time now, you know, for our annual catch-up.
1: Well, that's it. I was looking at, I pulled up on Skype and it said, you know, we last talked just about a year ago. And that's when we did the, you know, sort of a look back over 2017 and what's ahead for 2018. And we said at the time, we should make this an annual event. So so here we are. I'm, you know, delighted that you join me again.
0: Yes, I, I love being here and I always appreciate the the conversation with you and hearing your thinking on things as well
1: well it was a pleasure to see you at vrss in san antonio that was such a great event such a great couple of days did you hear that we are teaming up with um amy amy from vrm and vrm for yeah yeah for vrss 2019 it will be a partnership with vrm in orlando so hope you're going to join us there too
0: yeah I think I think that would be great And now my daughter will be a little over three then, and so it' be <laughs> a good excuse to make a family trip out of it
1: that's crazy i didn't seem any time at all that I think oh well, it was around about the time of yeah the first v r s s and you were just a new dad yeah,
0: that's right
1: wow time time does fly <laughs> so in you know in, in thinking about how time flies, we're going to spend some time today just talking about two thousand and eighteen what's what the highlights were what the biggest surprises were and what came as no surprise at all so can you kick off with with your thoughts on the year just passed
0: yeah it's i mean i think even the surprises if you take a step back and sure hindsight's 2020 they they seem less surprising when you look at what's going on so kind of the highlights not just because we're in that fundraising world, but has to be some of the dollars getting splashed around, right? I mean, the the headline to really kick off the year was the $1.3 billion Wyndham acquisition in Europe uh, by a private equity firm and saying, wow, property management companies, they can be worth a lot of money. <laughs> you know, there's, some, there's some real money in there. Mm-hmm. And then you had Vacasa come in to take their total funding this year, uh, over $200 million. Evolve and Sonder both raised more than 80 million. Stay Alfred did another fundraising. And so you just saw a lot of money pouring in. Now, on the flip side of that, you saw a lot of money that had poured in kind of disappearing in the sense that Accor went and spent a bunch of money buying One Fine Stay, buying Square Break, buying Travel Keys, and they wrote off all. Of the 220 something million dollars they invested in those businesses. Said so basically every dollar we put into it is worth zero now. And then Hyatt did a similar thing with their investment in Oasis. And Oasis went from, I guess, I think they had estimated 2,000 properties at one point to a small fraction of that, and now is a part of Picasa. And so, those once high flying players kind of where that ended up, I think was a surprise to a lot of people.
1: What happened? What happened? I mean one fine stay was was touted as you know the, the luxury model, and then yeah, a, a core came along and and it seemed like you know a, a good match what what occurred cord:
0: <laughs> Yeah <laughs> I like what you did there.
1: Uh, <laughs> I think it's a little bit
0: on what we were talking about, what Simon talked about about uh, there are a lot of us in the industry who had thought oh, consolidation, like these these big players are gonna take over the world, they're gonna roll it up. But because everybody was chasing growth so quickly and raising money to fund the growth, they didn't always do it in sustainable businesses. And so not only did you have a small local manager who had profits way bigger than a manager that may have thousands of properties, but the manager with thousands of properties may have been losing more money then the the small manager brought in total each year. And so that model only really works if people keep giving you money and believe in it. And when the music stops, if you don't have a chair, then that's a a pretty dangerous place to be. And I think you saw this real split in the industry. I remember in New Orleans for the VRMA, I guess it was three years ago now, two or three years ago now, uh, one manager came up and said, wait, I heard One Fine Stay, is, is not making that much money. Or they're actually not even profitable. And it, it kind of blew this person's mind that that was a possibility. They, they had always thought of a business as making profits and you, you manage these properties and you took a commission and you took enough to cover your costs plus enough to have profits. And that just hadn't been the model, I think, because Airbnb had created this 30 something billion dollar business that had turned profitable maybe eight years in, people thought, oh, okay, I can kind of follow that same path. And investors who had missed out on Airbnb thought, oh, so can we, we'll jump on this and back this. And managing as I imagine most of your listeners know, it's very different and far more difficult to scale than technology. Technology scales with lines of code. Scaling an on-the-ground management business, where you have to manage owners, you have to manage guests, you have to manage a local community and your interaction there. It's, it's just a very different beast.
1: So are any of the hotel groups actually successful with their acquisitions? Marriott,
0: Marriott looks like the, what they're doing with HostMaker is really working. So, uh, you know, their test, they're actually expanding what they've been doing there. And it looks like that model may be the better way to go. Right? It's more of a partnership. They see how they can do on distribution. And it's not saying, hey, our cookie cutter hotel model is going to work for these alternative accommodations. There really are differences between the two kinds of businesses. On a hotel, I have someone who I can go sign a 15-year lease and get 400 beds. On alternative accommodations and vacation rentals, I have individual owners and I may be at an at-will contract or a year-to-year contract and have to constantly navigate that Instead of having all the 400 rooms I need to clean in a single building and have my staff base there, nine to five, I have properties scattered all over this geography and how do I get there efficiently? They're just very, very different businesses. And I think because Marriott came about it a different way and looked at it as, oh, okay, let's think about where hotels have gone. They've gone to the asset light model. They've gone to the franchising model and we are a brand. How can we use that brand to maybe partner with and get exposure to this space that's growing so quickly in a responsible way. And it looks like the, what they're doing with Hostmaker really is working pretty well.
1: Yeah, I'd read about the partnership and I'm really intrigued by their uh, Welcome Wizards.
0: Yeah, I'm actually staying at a, a Hostmaker property in a couple of weeks. We're going to Lisbon. Yeah. And so I'm really, really looking forward to it with my family.
1: Yeah. So, so the Welcome Wizards were Marriott's team members that they sort of help guests in these individual places. So it's almost like a, a hotel concierge, but they're, they're out in the field. Mm-hmm. So, so that was quite interesting. It's like a bridging the gap type of process.
0: Yeah, it's, it's not trying to force fit. You kind of had square pegs and round holes between these two. And instead of trying to force them to come together, I think how Marriott and Hostmaker have looked at a little bit is how do we create a new paradigm? How do we go create a star together? Mm-hmm. And that's a more creative and thus far a more successful way to go about it, it looks like
1: yeah well that's that's interesting to see how we'll continue so what else what else anything else surprise you in let's think about technology
0: technology i mean it's <laughs> one surprising thing to me was the vendor showcase at the vacation rental management association, right when you talk about technology, mm-hmm. just the number of players coming in and the dollars going there I think people investors are starting to see this is more than just distribution. There were a lot of people that said, well, the tech has already been won by Airbnb and did not realizing "Well, booking.com may have a say in that home away and Expedia might have a say in that uh, you probably saw the news today with metasearch and what happened to tripping and ending up with home to go. But distribution is just one piece of the technology play as there are more managers as more managers are trying to build sustainable long-term businesses on this. They need technology in all sorts of different parts of their business. And I think you're seeing more and more players come in to solve that need. And this is where I think when people talked about consolidation, and we're going to see a lot more consolidation, where we're going to see that. Because as Simon said, it is true for each manager that gets bought, three more crop up because it's just this expiring asset of what you're buying when you buy a management company it's an at-will contract the owner may sell the home they may switch management Mm -hmm. companies there's no way to guarantee they stay on so there's this infinite churn that i just am not sure any manager is going to get to you know vacasa as big as they are over 10,000 properties in the us they have less than a third of one percent of a mark of the market so it's how big can a manager really get whereas with technology again because code scales and you can solve the need, if you solve it the best, you can solve mm-hmm. it for everyone the best, that's where I think we're going to see a lot more consolidation going forward. Uh, and that's why a lot more money is pouring in there. I think you saw that with the vendor showcase. It wasn't just that it was enormous, that there were a ton of companies, but the booths themselves were way fancier than I think what we saw a few years ago.
1: Oh, yes. There was just a different, completely different feel this year. To the, to the vendor showcase.
0: I, yeah, I would like to juxtapose it with the Vacation Rental Success Summit and a little bit with Kigo World where they brought those two worlds together mm-hmm. of Matt Landau and Simon Laman being on the stage at different times. And for a long time, I think you had two camps. You had the people of, oh, the future is all these big managers. They're gonna take over the world, big companies. There's no room for the small moms and pops. And you had these others of, no, guests want only the small, the personal touch. It's all going to be Airbnb and VRBO or very small managers. And I think the longer we've been doing this and that kind of battle's been fought, the more people realize, wait a minute, this is a huge space. There, there's, it's, it's that and more. It's going to be both. It's a yes and. I remember talking to, to Go, Joe Gebbia back in 2013 at an event in Atlanta uh, the co-founder of Airbnb, and kind of talking to him about what we were trying to do with rented.com. At that time, we were Vacation Futures. And his response was, yeah, that that could totally work. I mean, this is a huge space. There's room for everyone. And now looking at it, he was, he was totally right. <laughs> it is a huge space, and there's room for everyone in all different flavors. I think there is a risk to getting caught in the middle and getting commoditized. And so... It's not a hundred percent binary, but you really have to have a spike. So are you, are you large and you have these great efficiencies of scale? And so you can kind of do it in a more cost efficient or more streamlined manner for guests and owners, or are you the high touch local personal that provides that unique experience and really solves a different kind of need for the owners and guests, the ones that are kind of in the middle saying, well, we're not that scaled, but we're not really too personable. And we only offer some services. I, I just don't know how big the market is for that.
1: Yeah, it was it was interesting in the uh, the panel discussion. Steve Milo was there, and so was Leslie Preston, the founder of Batch oh, yeah. Care in New Zealand. And she she comes at it from you know that granular background, really deep care, you know, caring about the guests and having giving them the personalization. And and as she said, you know, the majority of her reservations with within batch care are direct bookings. And then Steve's very different model, where you know all his majority, I would, I, I think probably all his reservations come through the OTAs. We we were there at that. At that I session. was, and
0: I thought Eric Brion of Vacasa had a good counter. I think it was, or it was, it may have been John banzak of Turnkey that. Mm-hmm. Came back and said, Well, it is slightly different when you almost have a monopoly on an island.
1: You're on an island, yeah.
0: But, which is what she had, versus, yes, I may be one of the top five players in the US, but literally I have less than a 0.2% market share. Mm-hmm. And so, what you can and can't do depending on your geography and your focus? So, that, that is one of the, the downsides of trying to be these huge, scaled, multi market business versus someone like Mike Harrington in Topsail. You know, he went, bought a company that was established, bought a URL, and he gets 90 plus percent of his direct. Because he's very focused. This is what I do. I'm not trying to be something to everyone. I'm, if you're coming here, you're going to want to stay with me. And I can own that space. And you think about some of these local managers that they've been around 25, 30 years. They bought the domain when the domain went on sale. And so their SEO, no, HomeAway is never going to be able to beat that. Airbnb can't beat that because you, you've owned that for decades. You've had it. It's been so seasoned that you should be getting all that direct.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we experienced that up here, you know, with the agencies up here in Ontario and and guys who bought Ontario w <laughs> way back sort of 15, 20 years ago. They really have no need to use anybody else because right. they you know that they're there. so so I understand what what you're saying there, but it, you know, I think I got the drift about batch care and the fact is in New Zealand and well as uh, as well as Sykes holiday cottages he said sort of mm-hmm. mu- much the same because they they do a lot of their business direct as well. and I thought I was pushing it a little bit because England may be an island, but it's you know it's it's a good sized island.
0: <laughs> But again, single language, for the most part, it is it is a good-sized island. But, I mean, you look at someone like Picasa, they're trying to compete on a global scale. Like, Cliff, I think, alone scaled them over a two-year period to 16 new countries. So it's not just new markets within a country. It's new countries, which you have language and currency and all these other issues. And so I, I'm not saying it's writing off as just an island, because to your point on Ontario... The same principle held true there. They're not an island. It's just it's highly contextually dependent on what you can and should be doing on that front, I guess, is my point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good point. You've talked about um, acquisitions and fundraising. What do you think was the most significant of, of all of them? Not necessarily the largest, but what was the most significant?
0: To me, it really was OASIS. You know, it was always on that short list. It had gotten investment from both Hyatt and Accor. The fact that it ended up with Vacasa to me was personally the most surprising. That I think that really signified one how good of a job Vacasa's <laughs> done mm-hmm. um, to be able to to be in that position, and two just put into question in general how some of these that have raised a bunch of money can fare in the longer term there there's always a danger if you didn't bootstrap it and build for profitability and long-term sustainability from the beginning how quickly and easily can you really flip to that mm-hmm. when you
1: need to so where do you think this is going next year in terms you know this year next year 2019 uh, are, are the patterns and trends here that are going to continue through another year
0: yeah, I mean, one that was a bit surprising and I think we'll continue over was the combined acquisition by Expedia of apartment jet and pillow where you had Expedia moved into HomeAway, the RBO a few years ago. Made sense, right? We're going to pull it in. We're going to have not just hotels and place, but we're going to have alternative accommodations. So this wasn't just a stepping into Airbnb's territory with more multifamily-focused, urban-focused But it signified a push outside of travel to some extent and into capital R real estate, which we talked about how big our $170 billion vacation rental market is. When you talk about the real estate industry, that's a $217 trillion industry. And so you start when you go there not competing in the vacation rental pond, but start competing with the ocean of real estate players, the, mm-hmm. the Blackstones of the world. And so I think that was a bit of a signal. We, we had heard it from some of the, hey, we're, we have this many listings and different people on different sites saying how many the listings they had, they're the biggest or whoever's the biggest. But this was really kind of more aggressively stepping into other people's territory and competing more head on. And I think we're going to see more of that as we go into 2019 and people are chasing growth uh, and proving that they can grow outside of what their core industry is.
1: Well, we've been talking pretty high level and I want to bring it to I don't mean to say bring it down um, <laughs> to another level, but I want to bring it to another level. The the one where the majority of, um, of VRMA members are, and the majority of independent owners are, you know, is trying to keep their heads above water and, you know, maintain their bottom line with margins tightening and a lot of uncertainty, I mean, particularly in terms of legislation and regulations. Mm. You know, I just heard this morning about South Lake Tahoe banning rentals.
0: That's
1: crazy. I mean, they have an area where, you know, don't know how large it is, but there is an area where rentals are allowed but go outside of that area and there's now a ban on less than 30 days. And yes, that was the reaction from many people is that that's crazy. People aren't going to come in and, as we know, this same argument, they're not going to come in and go to the hotels. They'll just go somewhere else where they can rent a vacation home.
0: Oh, and what it'll do to property prices. That's Mm -hmm. the
1: thing. Yeah. So... It just you know not a day goes past without some more news like this. You know as we move into another year and the industry continues to grow, which it will do. How do you see this playing out in terms of you know of these smaller players in the marketplace, um, the smaller property managers? The independent owners, who I, I consider every single independent owner is a property manager because they're managing a property. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, Definitely,
0: yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and many of them are, you know, the, the professional ones are seeing that there is some scope for growth and they are, you know, they're, they're thinking more deeply about investing into growing that business. Is it worthwhile anymore? <laughs>
0: It's, this is not unique to our industry. I remember you, you can go listen to billionaire business people kind of debate this of saying, oh, I would have never been able to create my business in this regulatory environment. It's impossible now. And then you have people like Jeff Bezos who go create the world's biggest company at a time when people are saying it's impossible. There's too much regulation. So there's risk. That's why there are rewards. If it was no risk, then the rewards would have all been traded away. I think, if anything, it just shows you have to take a front seat. You, you are, If this is your business and your livelihood depends on it, you can't just sit back. And this is something uh, Matt Curtis had <laughs> he'd been encouraging people for more than half a decade to get involved. He said, I, I keep coming and all you people say, oh, it's never going to happen here. You know, it's never going to happen here. Then Orange Beach happens. Then Lake Tahoe happens. Like, no, this can literally happen anywhere. If you don't speak up and make the case, you know, it was just a couple of weeks ago, I was at the Georgia State Legislature having this conversation. And there are people in Augusta and other places saying, oh, it would never happen. If the masters is too important, etc." cetera, it's never gonna happen. saying it can, if you don't make your voice heard and, and get out there and make the case and not allow people with a lot of time on their hands, but not much sense in their heads, to dictate the process, you are gonna be at risk. And, and so you have to get involved, get out and do it. So yes, I, I think it's still worth doing, have been kind of hammering on this point since maybe 2013, 2014 mm-hmm. of the Napster concept of, look, Napster, sure, the music industry went and killed it for all intents and purposes, but the idea of streaming music and downloading a song at a time, et cetera, that won. That's, that's what the entire world does now. No one buys CDs. So maybe individual things will happen and individual companies will get harmed, but owners of properties and guests, people who travel, have all already voted saying, we're going to do this. So you can either make it illegal for them to do the stuff that they're going to do or find a way to make it legal. Uh, and this is where I think Regulators need to to be more sensible about how they're dealing with these issues. It it really can't be. Unlike with the the managers where you need to really push in one camp or another, I think this is one where compromise and and finding something in the middle that solves what are the true concerns, how do we mitigate those, and what are the benefits that we want to make sure we don't lose and and just be smarter about this whole thing.
1: I love to hear stories of people getting together and creating this this common voice. Megan McRae. Does it wonderfully in Nashville. Mm. Derek Eaton and
0: Michelle, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, Michelle and the Sea to Sky people did such a great job in Seattle. And it would be great to hear more about what these groups are doing now. the The Short Term Rental Advocacy Center is that still about? You know, I, I I see the website is there still, but it was something that was you know it was very prominent at a VRMA a couple of years ago. But you don't hear much about it anymore what do you do you hear about that
0: i i really don't i, no. mean, I just honestly clicked yeah ST, um,
1: strac.com. short-term rental. yeah strac.com now avroa the association of vacation rental um, owners and affiliates are really pushing ahead now with a, a, a short-term rental advocacy group and they're now meeting every month online and just inviting okay. inviting people to come in and discuss and he, and Megan is Megan McCray is uh, front and center there as is M- Maria recruit who chairs the advocacy group at Avroa the ab- advocacy committee and they are really moving ahead sort of becoming the voice of the the smaller groups the the independents who want to get together and create this voice and that that's good to see that happening
0: it is heather i'm just going to do one correction to not Scare or confuse listeners. strac.com will take you to a place to buy AR fifteen rifles. <laughs> um, what you're gonna want is stradvocacy.org dot okay. and that's the short term rental advocacy uh, group. Okay, I shall.
1: <laughs> I shall probably edit that out then. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe I'll just leave that in.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> people type it in and say, "Wait, wait a minute, this is a little bit."
1: I'm looking at it now. I'm looking, looking it up. Oh, okay. Fine. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll make sure that that's, uh, that's in the show notes anyway, okay. but yeah, that, um, that group just doesn't seem to be as active anymore.
0: It's really tough. It, it's, you know, everybody's so busy with the stuff they have to do today. And what you really don't necessarily realize is the, the things that That you need to be investing in today that you're not going to see the impact, and other than kind of counterfactual, you'll never see the impact. If you do it right, you'll never see the impact. Yeah, because things won't change. (laughs) You know, we'll we'll keep and have a viable business and and not get killed by regulation. But it's so important to to be on the front foot to build those relationships and to have those conversations, and it's. What's the an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure? It, just investing on the front end and, and getting involved sooner saves so much on the back end if you do it right.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, let's let's look forward to this coming year. I mean, for me, I'm looking forward to not having any more snow. <laughs>
0: I think you'll have a few months of that.
1: I've got a few months of that. Yeah, I'm I'm going. I'm heading to Arizona though, so I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave oh, all okay. this snow behind. So, what are the opportunities and threats you see ahead for 2019 and beyond, given given what's happened this past year and in previous years?
0: Yeah, I think we're going to see because the economy, I think, is going to start to slow down a bit, and that's going to have a couple impacts. I think we're going to see more. It, merger and acquisition rescue type situations uh, whether you want to call it consolidation or or what you want to put label on that as just like happened with tripping today people need to find a a home the the other side of that is when an economic slowdown comes it, it may make rates a little lower but occupancy might not get hit as badly as people think because it becomes more of a substitute good for hotels People don't stop traveling entirely, it's just they stop flying to Bali for vacation and drive to Destin instead and, and spend the time with their family and have to do it more economically. At the same time, you are gonna have people who own properties, because it's estimated that two-thirds of properties that could be short-term rentals aren't even rented today. You'll have people who own those that need to start renting them. Or people, as asset prices may go down, who buy in because they see the returns go up if they do rent the properties. And what this does, it creates more supply, it potentially creates more demand, but you could end up with this tension of newer guests that are coming in from the hotel world that had heard about this VRBO and Airbnb thing for years but hadn't tried it out. That are saying, hey, now this kind of, let me let me go test it out for economic reasons, let me give it a go. And on the other side you have hosts or owners who don't have experience providing what guests expect. And there could be a real disconnect of ones expecting higher than maybe what traditionally um, some vacation rentals or alternative accommodations have provided. And even on the other side, you have people that don't even have experience at that base level and could end up with a a real kind of loss in translation moment. And so it'll create a big opportunity for those that are able to fill the gap and, and solve for what those guests look for. But there are going to be some people that don't kind of make that switch.
1: Mm-hmm. That leads me into my next and, and actually final question. And it's coming back down to this more granular level or operational level. What do you think that smaller property managers and independent owners should be paying attention to in the coming year? What is be something that they need to do that perhaps tips the balance in their favor? And maybe, I'd, I don't know, touch on the book direct movement, if you like. Just give me your thoughts.
0: Yeah, I'd, the book direct, I, again, depends on your market. I think that's back to what we were discussing before about it's highly contextual. There's sometimes it makes a ton of sense, there's sometimes it doesn't. Uh, what, what they really need to be doing is avoiding commoditization whether it's book, going book direct or not, it's finding how to not be an also-ran. If, if you've decided I'm going to be an independent owner, independent company, smaller, I'm not going to try to compete with the turnkeys and Vacasas of the world, then you can't be this middle ground. That's where we're seeing companies fail. Y- you need to excel and understand who you serve. Is it a specific profile of owner, a specific guest, specific type of trip? And don't just meet the, I'm selling a bed, base level expectation, but stand apart and stand for something for those customers that you're serving. And if you do that, there's a bunch of stuff that's gonna happen outside of your control. The economic environment, what big companies do or don't do. But if you do what's in your control of defining who who I serve? Who do I want to serve? How do I not just meet their needs, but delight them? Then you're going to succeed, whatever that success means for you.
1: That touches on on personalization, which we've heard of a lot yes. in the latter part of this year, is, is that that is the road to travel, is to... Become more to offer a more personalized experience, so that the guest feels that they're someone, they are expected, they're welcomed, and give them a, an experience that the hotel can't.
0: And and that personalization is important. It's not just greeting them by name or knowing who the family members are. It's knowing who is it that you're trying to get to come in the first place. So that that personalization, what you do naturally is what delights them and they're the kind of guest that looks for exactly what is second nature for you to provide because if you're trying to just you can almost commoditize the personalization which is what a lot of big companies try to do with data and that that's not really personalized that's just kind of creepy
1: can you can you give me an example of that which side of, of commoditizing the personalization uh
0: i mean look it, it it worked for amazon obviously but just crawling all your search history everything you did to promote, hey, you might also be interested in X and Y, then you realize, whoa, every action I've ever done is being tracked by this company. That, that's a little uncomfortable. Versus, uh, I just recently read Peak by Chip Conley, who founded Joy De Vivre and then was at Airbnb. And you know he created, each hotel had its own personality. And they had to very specifically figure out how to personalize the booking process to make sure a guest that would be great for one hotel didn't end up in another. Because they would have a really bad experience in that other Mm -hmm. hotel. And it's a similar thing that, look, if you're just doing a few properties or a single property, who is it that's gonna love that property and what you're providing in that entire guest experience? Because otherwise, you're just crossing ships in the night. You're gonna have to go outside of your comfort zone to try to make them happy and then you're still just meeting base level needs. Or you're not, and you're going to get terrible reviews, and it's going to hurt you in all sorts of different ways. Just focus. I think that's the biggest thing: is focus.
1: It's interesting. I've just been been doing some work with realtors on working with investors, different types of investors. You know, and we, you've got the investor who who has a ton of money and just wants to invest it in a property and doesn't want anything to do with it. And then there's there's the family group who just wants to buy a home to use for themselves. And then there's retirees, perhaps, who want to buy a home that's going to be very special to them in retirement, but want to make the money on it in the interim. And we were talking about the different personas of these different types of investor and how you just have to adapt the way that you sell to each mm-hmm. each type of buyer. So it's a similar thing. Yeah. I, I agree. Uh, re- reminds me of, of, of an interview I did, and I'm so bad with names, but it <laughs> it was with a small property manager. In fact, she, she owns her a couple of her own properties. And I, I've mentioned this one before because it is taking the sort of persona marketing to the, really to the tiniest granular level. And she found that the people who are really interested in one of her properties were quilters from Ohio. And okay, ladies in their sixties who were quilters and who lived in Ohio
0: and is it how she had it decorated? What was it about it?
1: well it was these were the inquiries she was getting for for this property and and uh, in, in the area there were some of these just an amazing quilting shop so she she started marketing directly to the this group so it was very very focused. you said focus and that was focused yeah, and those were the people that she was getting. And it yeah. works.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And that's—it's not trying to solve to be everything for everybody there. Yeah. It's saying specifically, you know, here's who values what I do. Here's who's gonna really like this, and I can do this, and I'm happy. They're happy, and I can make money doing it.
1: Mm-hmm. Just important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, Andrew, it's—I think we're just about coming up to the end of our time, and it seems to have gone so so quickly. <laughs> you uh—you always. Uh, are so insightful and and thoughtful and bring so much to this conversation. Uh, is there anything else I've, is there anything I've missed that you want to add to, uh, is there anything you want to add that will, that will help people go optimistically into this year?
0: I would say focus on what's in your control. Mm-hmm. I, I sincerely believe the biggest news story in this space in 2019 is gonna be something that none of us are thinking about or talking about right now. You know, we, I, I, just, I think we're due for some huge kind of surprise. For me, that was Expedia buying HomeAway a few years ago. That, wow, people have been talking about booking buying HomeAway for a long time, but where did Expedia buying this come from? And I think we're due for something pretty crazy and splashy, for good or bad. And that could be on a macro level, that could be micro within your market, But there's only so much control you have. So just focus on what you can control on and and what you can do and define your success as doing those things in your control.
1: I think that's a great note to end on, except we're not going to end because I'd love to give you a a, a minute or two just to talk about rented.com. I was trying to explain it to somebody today and I don't think I'm (laughs) doing it very well. So I would pass this over to you to tell us what rented.com does.
0: Renton.com connects property owners, whether vacation homeowners, property investors, whatever those are, with the best short-term rental managers for their property. And we do this by partnering with the top 10%, top 20% of the managers in any given market and enabling them to stand apart from the other managers in their market and offer guaranteed income to the owner. So every manager in the market's offering, hey, I'm a great manager, trust me, here's my commission. Managers working with rented.com add on, or if you want, I can tell you exactly what I'm gonna pay you every single month for the next year or three years. And when they do that, their owner conversion goes up 5X. So those management companies are able to grow faster, add more properties, the owners get what they're actually looking for, which is mm-hmm. security. I know I have a great manager who's gonna take care of my asset, and I know I have financial security and stability. And then we work with those managers to really provide scale as a service to kind of in aggregate, be able to support them and give them some of the things that some of the the bigger management companies that may have thousands of properties are able to just do because of their scale that some of these local smaller management companies can't do. And so we let them use the rented.com marketing resources or revenue management resources to, to really continue to uh, expand and help
1: their business. Well, thank you for that. That was a, that was a lot better than I was able to do <laughs> in my explanation. But then it should be—it's your company. So I'll, I'll make sure I put a link to rented.com on the show notes, as well as to uh, to some of the other things that we've been talking about. And if anybody's got any questions for Andrew, then please go to the show notes and uh, and comment, and and I'll make sure I let you know. Andrew, if anybody comes along and does that. So, you know, what's, what's in the future for you in 2019?
0: I think just continue to grow the the number of managers we work with and where we work with them. We're seeing the more we work with more companies, the more they want to work with us. And so we're, we're seeing that we're having an impact and it's helping people and continue to do more the same. The, one of the things I'm most thankful for coming out of 2018 was the addition of Cliff Johnson to the team. He's just been absolutely amazing and just so thankful to have him here and really excited what we're able to do together uh, as a full team as we enter the new year
1: well wonderful and i wish you every good fortune for 2019 hey andrew we will talk again on the show as we get to the end of this this year and we head into 2020 i'm sure um i will see you no doubt at uh, at a conference or here. more than one or more than one <laughs> here there and everywhere yeah. Yes, yeah, New Orleans again, I think, for VRMA in 2019. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, and then Florida, Orlando for VRSS, and yeah, I'm sure there may be others. So it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you as ever, and well, uh, and thank just you, thank Eva. you so much for joining me.
0: Thank you, and enjoy the the islands.
1: <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. So just after we wrapped up there, Andrew said. I can get carried away a little bit on the, um, on the strategic overview of the, of the industry. And I said, uh, I, I said, I think we all need to stick our heads above the parapet sometimes and see what's, what's happening in the big wide world of the industry because whatever happens out there uh, on the macro level is going to have an impact on us. It's going to have an impact on the larger property manager, the smaller property manager and the independent owners and hosts as well. We're not immune to what's going on in uh, in the wider world. So, you know, some big acquisition. I mean, come on, you know, Expedia buying HomeAway, that was mega. And that has had um, a, a major impact in terms of uh, how HomeAway operates. So these these things that happen at the high level – filter down and can have an impact on everybody. So really good to to hear that overview. I feel it was optimistic and I for one am really looking forward to what, happened, what what you know what's coming this year. Interesting that Andrew said I think it's going to be something that we are not expecting. And and it really goes back to what I was saying at the uh, at the beginning at the int- uh, when, when I did the introduction to this episode. You just don't know what's ahead. You've just got to knuckle down, do your own thing, focus, do what you're good at, and you will be in a better position to adapt anything that comes along and is a big change. So as I publish this, I will be heading down to Arizona and Texas for the next three months. I'm getting away from the snow. I have uh, one or two interviews already recorded, but um, future ones are going to be coming from my RV as we travel around. Because I mean, we're traveling. We, we actually start in Tennessee and then we'll be heading across to um, to Arizona and then right on the California border. I'll be going to... New Orleans in February for the Vacation Rental Women's Summit. I can't wait for that. There's still tickets. You need to go out and get those tickets. And the other thing is not to forget that Book Direct Day that um, Amy and team are will be organising again is on February the 6th. Go to vrmintel.com. You will find all the information you need about Book Direct Day uh, on there. So that's it for another week for this week of the new year and happy new year to everybody by the way and i don't think i said that at the beginning so happy new year and i hope things are going to be fabulous for you in 2019 uh, of course i'll just be with you again next week
0: this episode of vacation rental success is over but don't worry heather will be back soon want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business.